Our gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of St. Luke. Mary has heard from the angel that she is to bear the Christ into the world, and she has affirmed, may it be so. She's then rushed to her cousin Elizabeth's, who is also with child, and when she walks into the room, the baby within Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy, and Elizabeth explain, exclaims, Mary, you are the mother of my Lord. And still in the company of Elizabeth, Mary rises and she sings this song. And Mary said, my soul glorifies God and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown strength and scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped God's servant Israel, remembering God's mercy according to the promise made to our ancestors to Abraham and Sarah and to their descendants forever please pray with me holy God for your word made flesh in us we give you thanks may we listen and tend to that word that we might bless the world you love amen I bring you greetings from San Francisco Theological Seminary. Gosh, it doesn't seem like all that long ago that I was here. It's good to be home. Um, it's good to be here with you in this Advent season. And I love that you are embracing Advent this year as a season of the unexpected. As I've worked with the scripture this week, it occurs to me that no one experiences Advent as a season of the unexpected more than Mary. Think about it. At the beginning of this story, Mary is a young woman. Maybe, maybe she is 14 years old. She's a young Palestinian Jewish woman living in Roman-occupied territory. So she lives in this world of layered power, of religious authority and imperial authority, a patriarchal world driven by power over and economic and political oppression. And here's Mary, this young woman, living an ordinary life in a world of tumult and hardship. She's just trying to live life, to move through life, to survive. And we know that she is engaged, so we can imagine that she's filled with all the hope that comes with that, hope of what her life might be in all the ordinary ways that life can be beautiful. And then one day, an angel arrives. And this is not your precious moments type of angel. It's not an angel singing sweetly o'er the plain. In scripture, when angels arrive, what do they say? Every single time, be not afraid. And angels say this because when angels arrive, people are afraid. Angels in Scripture, in the Bible, are terrifying. They are unexpected 
sudden messengers from God sent to deliver life-altering and world-changing messages. And this angel says to Mary, young, engaged, but unmarried Mary, greetings Mary, you are favored by God and you will be with child. And not only that, this child of yours will be the son of God and he will sit on the throne of David. And not only that, Elizabeth, your elderly relative, is also going to have a baby too. This season just got very unexpected. (laughs) But in the midst of all this, Mary says calmly and with strength, may it be so with me. And in that moment, she becomes what some Christianities call the Theotokos, or the God-bearer. God born in Mary's flesh and bone. And then Mary rushes to her cousin Elizabeth, who she knows is also experiencing the unexpected. And as Mary walks through that door, Elizabeth's baby leaps in her womb, and Elizabeth cries out, Mary, you are the mother of my Lord. All of this, so very unexpected, but nothing, nothing is as unexpected as what Mary says next, or actually what she sings next. This song of Mary, the Magnificat, is unexpected from beginning to end. You see, in popular culture, we too often portray Mary as this sweet, demure, submissive young woman, but that is not what Scripture says. Here, Mary, this young Palestinian Jewish woman living under military occupation, now the God-bearer rises to her full height and she speaks truth to power and she says, here is what God is doing in the world. This is not Mary meek and mild. This is Mary fierce and strong. And at the heart of what she says, what she says to all the powers, to all of us is this, God stands with the poor and the oppressed. To say the least, this is unexpected to emperors who claim to be God. It's unexpected to kings and to governors and to priests who claim that they wield power in the name of God. You see, they believe that God stands with them in their power over others. And maybe, maybe it even feels unexpected to those who suffer under the daily brunt of power over because this may not be what the world looks like at first glance. God stands with the poor and the oppressed. But it is a truth at the very heartbeat of Scripture again and again and again. God stands with the poor and the oppressed. Abraham and Sarah are wanderers far from home, and God stands with them and says, I will give you a land and you will be a people. Hagar is thrown out from her home, left with her infant son to die in the desert, and God stands with her and says, I will protect you, and you will thrive, and your son will become a nation. The people are slaves in Egypt, and God stands with them and hears their cry and defeats the power of Pharaoh and brings them up out of bondage and into freedom. And when they wander in the desert, God stands with them there in a cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night and shows them the way. 
When the people are conquered and taken into exile, God stands with them and says, I will bring you home again and again and again. God stands with the poor and the oppressed. Dr. Howard Thurman says it this way. Jesus stands with those whose backs are up against the wall. God stands with the poor and the oppressed. It is a word of judgment and of caution to all of our places of power and privilege. It is a word of hope to all of the places where we are pushed down and held back and hurting. Mary announces what has always been true. God stands with the poor and with the oppressed. And then she says this to all the powers. And the world is about to turn toward justice. There's this moment in the musical Hamilton toward the end of the first act where the cast sings this refrain, the world turned upside down, the world's turned upside down, the world turned upside down. It is a revolutionary moment. They're telling of the American Revolution and the Battle of Yorktown. And in that moment, the characters on stage are overthrowing colonial power. But beyond just the words and the plot embodied on the stage, there is more. You see, Hamilton is a hip-hop telling of the founding story of this nation, and playwright Lin-Manuel Miranda has peopled the stage, Alexander Hamilton, George Washington, Aaron Burr, the Schuyler sisters, with actors who are African-American, Latino, Latina, and of Caribbean descent. From the opening moment of the play, building to this refrain, the cast has been singing themselves into the narrative as voices long silenced are telling the founding nation of the, the founding story of this nation in their bodies and the dominant and the dominating voices are fading into the wings they sing the world's turned upside down it is a liberation moment the cast could just as well sing the world turned right side up mary sings a song like that. Mary sings of reversals. God is lifting up those who are lowly and bringing down the tyrant. God is filling the hungry with good things and sending the rich away empty. Mary sings of a world turned upside down, a world turned right side up. God is deconstructing power as we know it. No more power over, but power with and power for the well-being of God's people. She sings, the world is about to turn. But the most unexpected thing that Mary sings is this. Now, we've already said she sings, God stands with the poor and the oppressed, and the world is about to turn to justice. And if we had been paying attention, we would have seen that all over Scripture. But the most unexpected thing that Mary sings is this. All this, everything that God is doing, God is doing in me. My soul magnifies God. And actually, the Greek word isn't really soul, it's more my whole self, 
My whole being, my whole being, my life, my life magnifies God. Mary, this young woman living in empire and patriarchy and military occupation sings this. What God is doing in the world, God is doing in me. My soul, my whole being magnifies God. Look, God is lifting up the humble. Look, God is bringing down the powerful. Look, God is sending the rich away hungry. Look, God is filling the hungry with good things. Look. Here, my life, my life, my life embodies God's liberating work in the world. I imagine Mary singing this song to the emperor, to Caesar, and to Herod, and to the priests, and the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, all the powers in her day. And I hear Mary singing this song over the centuries to kings, and bishops, and despots. And I wonder, what does that song sound like in our day, to the powers of our day? And I have a vision. I imagine the halls of power in our nation, the House chamber in the U.S. Capitol, you know, how they all gather for the State of the Union. They're all there. The senators and the congresspeople, the president and the vice president, the secretaries of every department but one, the justices, mostly men, mostly white, mostly straight, an assembly of power and privilege. And I imagine Mary walking in. Mary, this young woman of color with no wealth and in the hierarchy of things with very little power. Mary, who will soon know what it is to be a refugee. Mary walks down the aisle to the floor of this house of power. She stands there in her full height and she sings this. God stands with the poor and the oppressed. The world is about to turn. What God is doing in the world, God is doing in me. Not in you powerful folk, but in me, in people like me each and all. Our nation's Congress is about to pass tax legislation that will give a huge tax cut to corporations and to the rich. It will eliminate the state tax, allowing the rich not only to accumulate their wealth in their lifetime, but to hoard it over generation and generation. Meanwhile, the richest nation in the world is closing its borders to the stranger reducing to a trickle the number of refugees who can find shelter here, preparing to deport dreamers, young people for whom this is the only home they have known, saying, what we have is ours, whoever we are, and it is not yours. And in the coming years, when we look to provide a social safety net, care for the vulnerable, affordable health care, social security for our elders and for those who are disabled, because of this tax cut, our leaders are already saying, oh, we will not have enough money for that. What might Mary's song sound like resounding in our own halls of power? God stands with the poor and the oppressed. The world is about to turn. What God is doing in the world, God is doing in me and in you and in ordinary folks like us. And it's not just a collective challenge. It is a word for each of us. In our own places of power and privilege, where are we willing to be part of turning the world right side up? 
Where are we willing to let go of our own power and privilege? You know, it may be a Lenten question usually, but what are you willing to give up this Advent? Where are we willing to let go of some of the resources entrusted to our care to help out the disadvantaged? In those places where we have the privilege of being able to speak, where are we willing to hand the mic over to voices long silenced and to listen? Where are we willing, as the song says, to give our hands to struggle at personal cost and sacrifice to put our lives on the line to work for the right rising of the world? It is a word of challenge. And to each of us, in our own places of hurt and oppression, Mary sings a word of hope, too. Because ultimately, Mary is singing about Jesus. The word that Mary is singing is the word that has been with us from the very beginning. She is singing the word that became flesh and dwelt in the midst of us full of grace and truth. Jesus has come to us from the very beginning and even now to proclaim good news to the poor and to the oppressed to heal us in all our broken places, in our deep, deep hurt, to comfort those who mourn, to upturn the tables of economic and political exploitation, to set the captive free. Jesus invites us into this work of turning the world. And somehow, it still feels unexpected, this great and persistent love. But Mary sings, and Jesus invites us into what has always, always, always been true. God loves us more than we know how to love each other. God's love will never relent. God lives out God's love in us, in our embodied lives, for the blessing and for the liberation of the whole world. And so Mary sings to us, and Jesus says to us, come, let us give our hands to struggle, and together we will turn the world.